This is Eric and Jordan from My Brothers and I. I'm Vince. I'm Boyd. This is Josh from Adverse Effects. This is Zanny, Rebecca, and Katie. And we are The, the Cabin, Cabin Project. Project. This is Travis from the audio sequence. I'm Jason Amare, and you're listening to Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX on PRP. You're listening to Portland Radio Project on 99.1 FM and PRP.FM. I'm your host, Luke Neal. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. Tonight, I have special co-host Jen Emerson again, and our special guest is Coco Columbia. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you bet. We're going to be kind of going down your musical journey tonight, listening to your influences, listening to uh, one of the tracks off your first LP, and then a, a lot of tracks off your latest. So, yeah, really excited that you're here. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you bet. Jen, how are you? Oh, I'm great. Thank you. I want to kick things off here on our PDX Spotlight playlist with a song that uh, Coco submitted to us, and it is Hit Me by Dirty Loops, and I shamefully had not heard this band before, and I'd never heard such lush synth. How did you find out about this band? Um, my my ex was play, like played one of their songs in the other room one time. Like He found one of their videos and turned it on, I remember, and I remember hearing it and going, oh my god. Almost thought it was kind of goofy at first, <laughs> and then I like listened a little bit further, and and uh, and then I just got I found their videos on YouTube, and they had they made all these um, videos of them playing, so you can like every song on their record, you can see them playing live in these videos they made, and they're just so good, and they do great, great, crazy covers of pop songs. I can't imagine. Yeah, Jen, you were just saying you watched some of their videos earlier today. Yes, and they, they were just so joyful and just smiling and obviously so happy to be there doing exactly that. Yeah, and they just shred. I have never, I saw them a year ago and I've never seen a pop band so tight and shreds so hard. They're yeah. just so good. This, like, this, the best musicians. way I can describe this is the song gets smarter as it goes along. It starts off as a great pop song, and it just gets better. Yeah. Uh, so hang out with us tonight. You're listening to Sounds of PDX with Luke Neal, Jen Emerson, and our special guest, Coco Columbia. This is one of her influences, Hit Me by Dirty Loops. Hit Me by Dirty Loops here on PRP. That's an influence brought in by our friend and special guest, Coco Columbia, and she fangirled completely, like, during the outro. So <laughs> I wanted to get that out there. People God need to dance. It's so good. He, uh, I was going to say, too, by the first time I was listening to The Bridge, uh, it reminded me a lot of, like, Stevie Wonder. Like, yeah. You know, late 70s, early 80s Stevie Wonder. So, yeah, yeah. good stuff. Yeah. Well, we want to talk to you about, uh, like I said, your records and what you're doing now and, and plans for the future. Um, but I want to turn the clock back and start talking to you about what made you you. So what's your earliest memory with music? And when, did, when was that seed planted that you just knew this is what you had to do? I think I remember... I, well, what was cool is that my parents always took me to concerts growing up. Actually, this is a good one. <laughs> so um, my first concert was when I was seven, and it was Hanson. <laughs> Lovely. Because that was the, the peak of the, when I was seven was the peak of Hanson's uh, career, I think. Yeah. Shout and, out uh, to my homies from Oklahoma. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My Oklahomies. From Tulsa. <laughs> <laughs> Tulsa, Oklahoma. 
Yeah, I uh, I was super into Hanson when I was seven, no and my dad uh, saw that they were going to be playing in Seattle, and so um, he we went really early. <laughs> like, cause I'm from Bend, so I remember we got up at like four in the morning and went to um, wherever they were selling tickets in Bend, thinking that there would be a million people there, and there was <laughs> nobody there. <laughs> and then we got like we were second in line or something, so um, we got second row seats at um, uh, Key Arena. Oh wow! Second row in the Key Arena. That's fantastic. <laughs> and what did what did your handmade sign say? Uh, from Bend, Oregon, in an umbop. I was just guessing that you had made a sign. I did make a sign. I'm so glad you asked that because I would have forgotten to bring that part up. Oh, that's wonderful. Yes, it was the cheesiest thing ever. And then uh, what's funny is they ended up making a live album and live video from that concert. And so in the video, you can s I'm up on my dad's shoulders in the <laughs> second row, and you can see me in the video like, la, 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 la. Oh, it's now my mission for Throwback Thursday to find this and post it online. <laughs> I'm sure a YouTube video exists of this somewhere. Uh, I need to, um, I had like the VHS of it at my house, but I uh, I've tried I tried to find it online one time, but I couldn't find it because I told my friends about it, and I was like, I wonder if it, I could find it online, but. It's eventually going to get out there. Yeah. I, you know, when YouTube started picking up speed, I was like, I wonder if there's the 1995 Pearl Jam performance of Late Night, and there was. But now there is. Eventually, it'll be updated. So yeah. It's got to be on the internet somewhere. It will, yeah, eventually. <laughs> it all ends up there. Um, so what was the first instrument that you kind of picked up and started playing? Drums, actually. Drums were the first. Yeah. I re well, I remember um, I really wanted to sing for the longest time um, in elementary school, and I remember briefly taking a few voice lessons and then I just had no confidence with it and I just didn't think it I could do it well and then I kind of gave up and then I started playing the drums in sixth grade and then I played the drums um, up until college I went to college for drums yeah and then it wasn't till after I dropped out of college that I started <laughs> singing <laughs> and writing <laughs> writing music it was I think there's that thing um, uh, what's that guy? He wrote a book about this where it's like the the things that you originally like and then maybe you find dumb reasons to change your mind about what you like. But if you go back to your original, your first thought um, from when you were a kid or from like your first idea about any subject, you'll find that that's like kind of what you ultimately want. And so I felt like I just kind of avoided it. Like, I went off when I became a drummer because I was too afraid to be a singer, and then I came mm -hmm. back around and ended up wanting to sing. <laughs> well, you kind of nailed your backup instrument. If you weren't going to sing and use your vo voice, you took up the drums and just gave it your all. That's really impressive. Yeah, that's it fantastic. Was, it was fun. I didn't feel like... I never felt like I was uh, naturally super good at drums. I, I had... I could, you know do it all right, but I think when I switched it was nice because then I was like, oh, I'm way better at this. This is cool. <laughs> well, we got a shout-out on the talk board from Mike Burling from PDX Spotlight. He said, um, Hanson still rocks, by the way. <laughs> they do. Oh, my gosh. I still check them out sometimes What their new music is. It's it's basically sounds like um, like big band Christian rock or something. That's what? really but it's, odd. But it's really good, and all the people in their band, you know, because they have, like, a 10-person band or something now. <laughs> it's the three of them with a bunch of other people, and... Um, 
Oh, they're awesome. they're tight. They're really tight. I always appreciate any band that is tight. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're professional musicians. Say exactly. what you want about them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've got Coco Columbia in the studio tonight. We're listening to her influences. So going back to the PDX Spotlight playlist, we've got The Strokes and Whatever Happened. And I can see why you dig them. To, I mean, you were a drummer, are a drummer. So it, it, does this kind of fit in the pocket for you there for that the drumming vibe? Yeah. They always, The thing about The Strokes, I listen to mostly um, rock music in high school rock music and jazz and i think that for um garage rock or indie rock or whatever they just always had they were always really groovy yeah and things really like all the drum grooves all the bass lines everything um i think just in my opinion grooved a lot harder than some of the other rock bands that were really big <laughs> at the time but yeah and i just really like their songs too and they still have that, the like the pop punk um, structure, you know, like three-minute type songs, you know. Yeah, smash yeah. Smash and grab. I really think that they nailed, like, they write really good pop songs. Or Julian, I think, writes most of the songs. Um, yeah, who but, we've got a song from later yeah. in the playlist as well. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, I think he's, like, one of my favorite songwriters ever, so. Well, let's hear some of his earlier work. This is The Strokes here on Portland Radio Project. <laughs> Wayne Shorter featuring Herbie Hancock. That's an influence of my special guest, Coco Columbia. And uh, my special co-host, Jen Emerson, was just mentioning that she was checking out uh, Wayne Short and was uh, a fan. Not totally familiar with the catalog, but dug his vibe. Yeah, not as familiar with his catalog, but I was, uh, as I was stating to you earlier, I really enjoy his, like, crazy key changes that uh, involve chords that don't occur frequently where you can hear them you have to kind of seek that kind of music out because i think it might be a little too complex for some people to enjoy sometimes yeah and i think he's known for his um compositions even though he's a great player too he's more known for his compositions and at least in the jazz world and uh but i think that um what i like about the him is that he he always writes um weirder interesting changes but has such pretty melodies and the way everything comes together is always so beautiful. It, it doesn't, um, yeah, it's just yeah. really pretty music. <laughs> it's masterful. I really enjoy that track a lot. Cool. Yeah, it's fantastic. Um, so looking back, I still want to talk to you about some of your earlier years. Was there one in, anyone in particular that you listened to a lot of music with? Like, I'm not family. Like, did you have a, a friend that introduced you to a lot of music that you just had nice listening parties with? Yeah, actually, um, the way that I got, I remember when I first wanted to listen to jazz or first wanted to get into jazz, I didn't even know where to start because there's, it's just such a vast genre. Um, and I was really intimidated, <laughs> but I actually um, had this friend in high school who was a re- good saxophone player, and um, he was like older than me. He was like a senior when I was a freshman, I think, but we started hanging out all the time and because um, I played in the jazz band and... Um, yeah, he just started showing me a bunch of jazz. And then I actually did this thing where I intentionally, we were just really good friends, and and there was this community radio station in Bend, and we were like, oh, we should have a radio show together. That would be fun. And But at the time, I still didn't, hadn't listened, heard that much. Um, so I intentionally made myself do this show with him so I'd have to l- listen to a bunch of oh, stuff smart to get into it and then have to pick what I liked and play it. And so it was probably starting when I was 
15 through age 17 when I listened to like the nice. bulk of the jazz that I ended up getting. But I, even then I still listened to more newer, more fusion and stuff from like the 70s. And then it wasn't until I got to college that I actually went back and listened to way more of the older stuff, mm. like this stuff um, th- that we just heard. So, um, what yeah. What about bands like Soul Coffeine or Morphine that kind of ride that line between pop rock and, and jazz? I feel like they're gateway jazz bands. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, the guy. So I got into all these, fu- like, I was really into Pat Metheny and, like, all nice. these fusion people. And it was like, I think because I just listened to so much rock music, I just naturally was, you know, drawn to the the fusion, like, the later fusion jazz stuff because it was just like rock grooves with weird changes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then um, slowly after getting into that stuff, then I got into. And I also played jazz. It, it was one of those things where for everyone who first starts playing jazz and isn't listening to a bunch of it yet, you're just like, oh, I get you're learning how to play the grooves and you're learning the forms and you're learning the songs, but I hadn't really explored it yet. So I had to I had to explore it and like actually listen to it before I could really even start to understand what it was about. (laughs) Well, since we're here uh, in the first hour, I do want to give our listeners a taste uh, who haven't heard you before. Wait on Limb is is such a great track um, from your latest release. And you also made a a kind of insanely brilliant video (laughs) with us. (laughs) Tell us about that experience because it's it's really captivating. The video? Yeah, and the song too, but yeah, the video. What's funny about it is I made a whole other video before and it didn't turn out the way I wanted. But then I went and I'm, Went up, met up with my friend who made the video for me, Cypress Jones, and um, who's actually the son of Alan Jones, a really great jazz drummer in town. But anyway, yeah, yeah I know I him through that. But, uh, but anyway, Cypress is a great, um, he makes music videos for lots of people. He's a great director. And I met up with him, and I showed him the song, and I was like, I need to make a different video for this. And just within 10 minutes, it's like we had the whole, him and I, back and forth, pretty much had the whole concept figured out. And then... It was just like, how are we gonna do pull this off and make it happen? But we sh- we uh, shot for three different days, um, three different days. One at the beach, one in that weird haystack area <laughs> yeah. that was halfway to the coast. Okay. And uh, yeah, it was it was really hard because I'm really bad at acting. <laughs> so it was like, <laughs> my friend Natasha, who's in the video, was amazing. She's a great dancer and a great actress, and she played her part super well. Didn't have to do that many takes, and for me, it was like every facial expression or any little like movement I had to do, I had to do like 30 times to get it right because I'm just so awkward. But it was still really fun, though. Oh, it's such a good song. So yeah, this is Wait Off Limb uh, or Wait on Limb. Was it the first single off of your new record? Yes, is that it the was first the first release. Yeah, yeah, this is good stuff. It's been in rotation here at uh, PRP this year. As soon as it was released, so our special guest Coco Columbia. This is her track. Let us know what you think on the talk board. You're listening to Sounds of PDX.
That's the Prince here on Portland Radio Project. You're listening to Sounds of PDX with Luke Neal and Jen Emerson, and our special guest tonight is Coco Columbia. We've been picking her brain about uh, her musical influences and her upbringing, and now we're, we're at the point in the story where I'd like to talk to you about learning your craft, um, whether it be drums or any other instrument, vocal. How did you kind of create the sound that, that you're using now? Um, well, I think that when I first started trying to write songs uh, about four years ago, I was um, like, I, I, I really liked it right away. And then I was kind of mad that I had played drums for so long because I kind of <laughs> wished that I had just, you know, switched instruments earlier. So they didn't wait till I was 21 or 22 to like <laughs> switch direction. But, um, but then I realized that I, now I'm glad that I did that because um, most of the music I write is pretty, like I have a lot of I rhythmic ideas. You don't say. That <laughs> that I would not have ever had if I had just sang, I think. Sure. Um, but anyway, I, I did it really slowly. I, the first year that I started writing songs after I dropped out of college, I kind of just, I'd always wanted to sing secretly. <laughs> and uh, so I just, I remember I just started recording vocals into my laptop, like in GarageBand, but not even with any instruments, just like singing I, melody ideas and singing songs and then just playing it back just to hear what my voice sounded like because I didn't even know what my singing voice sounded like and I didn't know if I liked it or not. Mm. I still don't know if I like it. But um, but yeah, I just kind of, I did that for a little bit until I felt like I kind of found what vocal style I wanted to do. And then um, I actually bought, my brother was like, oh, you're a drummer. You should get this program called The Machine, which is a Native Instruments program. It's amazing. I <laughs> and, adore it. Yeah. And so, and it's it's super, um, it's more like, should be more for hip hop music because it's like sample based and you can't really like, record into it, which is annoying. But <laughs> Use um, the MIDI mapping on it though, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, the like half the songs from my first record that are electronic, I programmed the beats and did all the auxiliary percussion and all the, basically it was all MIDI. And then um, I had some real instruments recorded over it later. But I, I basically, I started making beats and learning how to use that program. And then I had stuff in all these different programs. I had beats in there. And then I put those beats into Ableton and used effects in Ableton. And then I had the, um, like vocals that I recorded in GarageBand. I had them in all these places. I didn't know how to organize it very well. Um, and then I took it to this engineer I ended up working with on my second record too. And I basically just had to export all the, tr these, I had like every song was in like four different programs for some reason. Oh I was like, doing, I don't know why I was doing it that way. I was being stupid. I didn't know what I was doing basically. So <laughs> well, your anyway, music, I just, I just kind of described as uh, ADD pop. So yeah, yeah. Right. But anyway, so then it took me a while to like, and then it, we put it all into pro tools and then we, and then working with him taught me about production and just, and how to get like, Perf like I'm a super huge perfectionist about every little detail in the songs now. And then after that first record, I also just felt like I started getting better at writing. So mm -hmm. I feel like this new record is way more of kind of like what I was going for the first time, but didn't quite make it the first time, or in my opinion, like missed the mark a little bit. But I think the production and the songwriting and everything is better. I also didn't have a band the first time. And so now this second record I had a band and my band is great. And they, we arranged the songs together and, little less pressure, right, when you've got some other people in the studio helping you produce and record? Yeah. or I mean, it's it's definitely different. Um, 
it's, collaborative. So yeah. you get a bunch of ideas. Yeah, and that's what's cool about it is I, you know, take it to them and then they uh, we just would mess around with the songs for a while. And before it was like I only had the stuff that I had made on my computer and then I had to hire people to play on the other songs. So <laughs> we rehearsed some of the songs like once before we <laughs> recorded them. Wow. <laughs> so this time was definitely awesome because I got to actually flesh everything out with my band. Well, Luke, can I tag team off of your yeah. question about her uh, learning her craft? Uh, so how did you know you wanted to take your craft into career? Um, I didn't really know what I was doing at first. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to work. And then I think it was probably halfway through writing my first, my second album, the one I just put out, where I kind of just had this, I remember it was like a day where I was like, it was sort of like one of those do or die epiphanies <laughs> or whatever, where I was like, okay, I can either keep halfing this along or, or thinking about plan B or whatever. And, mm. and then I was like, no, this is, I'm honing the, I'm honing in on like what I'm doing and I'm getting it just how I want it. And I really like it. And it's the first time in my whole life that I felt like I actually liked something that I was making. Wonderful. And it was just such a cool feeling. And so I just kind of decided like, I have to push this as hard as I can until I can do it. And now I'm just a, like crazy about it. Every, I don't, there isn't a day that goes by that I'm not doing something to try to make it happen. Even, even if it's not playing, but it's just sending a thousand emails out to people. Awesome. <laughs> That's what I'm trying to do all the time because I, I just really love doing it and I really want to travel really bad. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's a nice motivator. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. If you can travel for free, we're, sort of. We're glad you made the decision to do this. Um, <laughs> uh, but next on that playlist is Hiatus Coyote um, by Fire. What does this artist mean to you? Like you, I think there's a lot of similarities. I can just listen to her recordings. I'm like, she too is a perfectionist. I mean, this is <laughs> extremely on point. Yeah, that band is crazy. I, I heard that band halfway through writing my new record and then it ended up influencing so much of the way I, I ended up changing songs that I had already written to sort of just just because I was hearing this music and I was like oh my god yeah, it's, yeah. sorry about that we're starting no, it's like, early <laughs> I'm, I'm on the trigger here it's yeah, trigger ahead, my drummer my drummer showed me this song um he was the first one that introduced me to this band, and I just couldn't believe what I was hearing. <laughs> awesome. Even though I heard electronic drums there at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is awesome. This is uh, another selection here by Coco Columbia. If you're hanging out with us right now, hit us up on the talk board on PRP.FM. You're listening to Sounds of PDX. Glasses here on Portland Radio Project. Friend of the station, no chronic pain, no gain. He played about six weeks ago with our special guest, Coco Columbia at Alberta Street Pub. And I wanted to say something to you that I think is genius and more bands should do. This is a true story. Um, so about a week before the show, you and Gil, who we just listened to, teased a Bjork cover yeah. right online. <laughs> So I'm standing there, and my wife's a photographer, and she was planning on doing an all-day photography trip that day. And she was getting ready to go to work earlier that week, and I was just like, you got to come see this. So I showed her on my phone, and she's looking at me dead-eyed. She's like, I think I'm going to cancel my trip. <laughs> i got to see <laughs> oh, this. Oh, wow. Um, she ended up not doing it. She ended up going on her trip. She'd been planning for it for a while. But my point is, 
and I told Gil this last week too, the brilliance of that is you're creating a one-off art experience for people to come see um, with with an artist you were playing with. And again, I think it's something that no matter what the genres are at a, at a venue, more bands should do that. Mm-hmm. Um, so what spurred that on? Um, actually, it was Gil. He hit me up and said, and we had already been talking for months and months and months about trying to collaborate on something and so that was like the perfect opportunity to but yeah he hit me up and um he's always so on it with all of that stuff he's like we gotta do this and this <laughs> and uh and then uh he said radiohead or bjork we should do one of those and i said this bjork song yes. <laughs> and um and i mean i always get kind of i, I was admittedly kind of nervous to do it because i mean bjork trying to see a Bjork song is kind of (laughs) but it's this song that I unravel it's a song that I have liked forever and I've actually wanted to cover it for a few years and I just kind of had never come around to covering it or recording it and it was kind of the perfect opportunity to to do it with Gil because he's so he's such a great like so talented player and everything arranger and singer and yeah, I just knew that whatever he was going to do for it was going to be awesome. So. Yeah. so I was standing next to Jen at that show, and I think we commented something about, Coco's just kneeling down on the ground for the beginning of this. And with you, I didn't know if it was part of the performance, or you were just like, this is my vibe right now. Yeah. <laughs> was it because of nervousness at first? No, it was actually, I. it was a really stupid reason. I like was kind of nervous that I was going to, um, because... We were gonna. We basically were just gonna alternate lyrics at this one part, and when we were rehearsing it, I kind of kept screwing it up, or like we both kind of kept like running over each other. And so I wrote it out to make sure that I did it right, even though I pretty much knew it. I just sure. wanted to like make sure. And I had it on this piece of paper, and I didn't want to like hold it. <laughs> I also thought I wanted the attention to be on Gil more because it was his show. Yeah. So I thought I'll just be down here looking at my piece of paper, con- messing with my pedal and uh and i'll be like heard but like kind of out of the way it was really tasteful (laughs) it it was cool it felt intentional i thought it was beautiful (laughs) thank you it was really really cool um well i want to talk to you about an artist that you brought in we're going to play a 10 minute block here of david bowie what can you say about lazarus like this guy you know it's almost a year now he left black star into part of the earth in like the most genius planned out way Mm -hmm. what does david bowie mean to you the reason Black Star, uh, that song was so crazy to me, was because um, I, two of um, my favorite, like my favorite bassist and my favorite drummer, Tim Lefebvre is the bassist on the song, and then uh, Mark Julian is the drummer, and um, I just heard the song and I heard that they had recorded with him. And I kind of was just like, oh, my God, this is everything I love combined. This is, like, really great, cool rock, pop, David Bowie music mixed with these guys that can just play in the way that I love so, just so much. Just incredible. And yeah. the story behind it is really cool, too. Um, they were playing with this group in uh, this really tiny jazz club in New York called 55 Bar. And uh, it's it's super tiny. I've been there. It's, like, so small. David Bowie came in and saw them and they were playing and I guess he like came in and listened to a few songs and sat in the corner and then left and then they were like, wait, was that David Bowie? <laughs> oh, could you imagine? Yeah, and then a few weeks later, um, Donnie McCaslin, like the leader of the group, gets this call saying like, 
uh, from David Bowie's dude. I don't remember which one of his dudes <laughs> called them. It was like, hey, we want th- this group to record on David Bowie's new record. And they were all like, what? Because wow. awesome. they're all these so guys cool. that are very much known in the jazz world, but not really, I mean... Or in the nerd drummer world, nerd bass world, (laughs) but they're not really known like in mainstream. And so the fact that David Bowie had, I mean, they play with with really big people they record with, but the fact that David Bowie just kind of had come into 55 Bar and then hit them up a week later was just pretty nuts. And then, so yeah, it was like everything combined. Oh, story, gosh, yeah. When I was listening to music and in preparation for our show this evening, the, the songs that you selected, and I was watching Lazarus. Um, my sister's the hugest Bowie fan, Jessica, just super passionate about it. She loves Black Star, and, you know, she could tell you more about that. But I'm watching Lazarus, and uh, I was wondering, as I often wonder, the songs that you brought in, are you, are you more interested in the technique that they bring or the meaning behind the songs, or is it kind of a mixture of both for you? Like, do you do you pay attention a lot to lyrics when you listen to music? Yeah. Or do you pay more attention to the instrumentation? Um, and what do you what do you get out of the songs that you're including? And um, David Bowie in particular, like so many layers of meaning and technique. Mm-hmm. Where where do you go in there? Yeah. Well, so I, admittedly, my first when I heard that those guys that I loved had recorded with him, that was my first attraction to it because I was oh my gosh, this is going to be crazy that they, they all join forces. But then, I mean, obviously David Bowie is just so... This song is just perfect because it's like, it has everything that I love. The The lyrics are great yeah. and, and so deep. And I saw the Black Star music video and, and the Lazarus music video, but the Black Star music video specifically, I just kind of like got that... Oh, like yeah. when you see something and you're like, oh God, like that just cut straight <laughs> into my heart. I don't yes. know what's going on You've right now. You've done it again, Bowie. Yeah, <laughs> like that was, just, I just felt this like, I, I found that the the types of emotional reactions that really get me into something are the ones that are super dark. There's just like oh, this, like, it's the void within, like it's like that song, I think Black Star and Lazarus, both of those songs kind of really represent um, that that feeling that kind of really dark really like where is this darkness coming from I don't understand it type of vibe Mm -hmm. and I really got that from like the video he made for it and the lyrics and the way he's singing on it and and everything and and then that mixed with like my favorite instrumentalist (laughs) so yeah I don't know I liked all of it yeah awesome yeah it's a total masterpiece once again David Bowie here on PRP listening to Portland Radio Project, and that was David Bowie. We've got special guest Coco Columbia in studio with us. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about some other friends uh, of the station here. One of my favorite live bands in town is Human Ottoman. Um, I mentioned just a second ago they'll be playing with Adverse Effects. And you went to school with Susan, right? Their drummer. And Grayson and Matt. Oh, really? Yeah. I actually, um, Matt is the one I've known the longest. Matt 
so I grew up in Bend, Matt grew up in Sisters. I actually, he also, when I was telling you I had a radio show earlier, uh, Matt also had a radio show on the same station as I did. In He's hilarious. Time. Matt is awesome. Yeah. And then we both, uh, yeah, so he went to U of O for cello and then dropped out, like I did, <laughs> and dropped out of U of O too. And, uh, and then um, I, when I lived in Eugene for a year going to U of O, before I dropped out, I, I lived with Susan for a little while too. And then Susan and Grayson, I've, I went to school with both of them. Like we were in the same percussion program and they're great. They're like, yeah, their, their music is so unique and awesome. And they all really shred on their instruments yeah. and they're all awesome people. So and was, today they released a video of the performance from Doug Fur when they opened for you. At yeah, the I saw show. that. I didn't get to watch it yet, but I want to watch it because it was great. <laughs> yeah, it's they were mind blowing then. But they uh, they're losing the cellist, right? He's going to Spain. Is that the the word on the street? Yeah, his yeah. lover lives there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, if it's all for love, then why not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been in talks with Susan uh, Human Ottomans coming on the show in November, so another fun guest to look forward to. Um, Jen, have you heard Coco's? Uh, cover of the Kate Bush cover running up that hill? I've not yet. <sighs> You're in for a treat. <laughs> Tell us how did this come to be? Like what what sparked this idea? I well I was like on a Kate Bush binge and <laughs> then um I don't remember why, but I oh, I remember now. I took a few vocal lessons like a year ago because I was like, after having played out for a year, I was like, I can't sing live and it kind of sucks. I need to learn some vocal technique. Because <laughs> I never learned any like basic vocal techniques. So anyway, but uh, this lady, Amanda um, Sloan, who I took um, lessons with, like a few voice lessons with, she was like, you should learn a song. And, and then... Uh, this other teacher I, I had, this drum teacher I had back in the day was like, I can't think of who your voice sounds like except for maybe Kate Bush. <laughs> and so then I was like, maybe I should learn a Kate Bush song because maybe it would be easy to sing. <laughs> so I learned that song, and then I was like, oh, should I cover this with my band? And then um, we were going to cover it, and then my Micah, my drummer, just started playing this crazy groove. And then I was like, oh, crap. Yeah. <laughs> so then I just kind of had to completely rephrase uh, the melody around his groove because it wasn't going <laughs> to work. Like the rhythm of the melody from the original wasn't going to work. Yeah. So it was pretty much his groove that kind of spawned the the cover. The, the arrangement. The, for the arrangement we did. Yeah. And that was cool because that was the first like – full collaboration where each person came up with their own part it wasn't like i brought charts and then we learned the songs that i wrote it was like a f like a collaboration full so band cool. collaboration and so that was super fun yeah you started your show with it and it was a couple bars in you know maybe by the, the and the chorus in i was like oh my gosh that's exactly what this is because it'd been a while since i'd heard the the kate bush version but it's a really genius cover uh, this is off of coco's latest record which is available online we'll put the information out there as well uh running up that hill coco columbia here on portland radio project
listening to selections by my special guest, Coco Columbia. These are tracks off of her new record, When the Birds Begin to Walk. And we just found out it's a family affair. Her folks are on the talk board saying, <laughs> what's up? They couldn't be prouder. So thanks for joining us tonight. Hi, Mom. Yeah, say hi, hi to your Dad. folks. <laughs> I would like to say that they actually did not say what's up. Oh, yeah, that's true. They did not say <laughs> or what's up. Or what's up. Or any. <laughs> uh, we're talking about uh, kind of like your creative process, and we've touched on your records and, and um, a couple of things, but I wanted to kind of uh, – talk to you about specifically writing um, When the Birds Begin to Walk and kind of the the premise behind that title itself. I think it's extremely interesting. And you also, correct me if I'm wrong, you have a focus on your your record on a couple songs just about simply being kind to animals. So where does that where does that come from? I love that. I'm an I'm an animal lover myself. So Yeah, um well addressing that specifically, I'm um vegan or I've been vegan for a few years and I guess Coveted Creatures is about a few different things, but that's kind of one of the themes in it, is just sort of um, hoping that the human race might decide to treat animals <laughs> in a fairer soon. I love it. Someday in the future. Um, yeah, uh, I think that there's some definitely a lot of animal themes in the songs, mm -hmm. but um, the title of the record I got from... Well, I had all the songs, and I couldn't think of an album title, and I was struggling for a week or two trying to think of a title, and all the ideas I had were really bad. <laughs> I was, like, doing the thing where I had, like, a list, and I was oh, like, no. this one, this one, and I'm reading them to people, and they're like, mm, no. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. And then... Um, and you didn't have a title track that you thought would be, I like... I was almost... Oh, I shouldn't even say that. I was almost going to call it Coveted Creatures, but then, but then I wasn't... I didn't really want to call the album that, but anyway, I, uh, I, and then I just kind of randomly, um, went back and read this poem by Lucille Clifton, who's like my favorite poet. And I hadn't, and it's like my favorite poem, this poem called Signs by uh -huh. her. And I hadn't read it in like a year and I read it and it made me feel a certain way. And the way it made me feel was pretty much exactly like what this, like what I felt like when I made this record. Huh. So I kind of just took it from that. And kind of like your catalyst throughout the process. Yeah, I just felt like um, what the 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 feeling, not even so much what she's talking about exactly in the poem, but just the feeling of the poem or the way I felt when I first read it before I had never read it before. Um, it's just very dark, hmm. um, and that's kind of where a lot of the songs came from. And that that. Faith, or that place or that emotional. I'm seeing a theme. She liked the visceral dark with David Bowie. As yeah, well. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, and so and then it kind of worked too because there were a lot of sort of I like using animal samples. So there's like a lot of bird sounds. Yeah. And, and so it kind of it went along with that theme too. So that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to pick your brain about that because you simply said that the last time I saw you, like, oh, this song is about being nice to animals. And yeah. You just it to it. It's <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> We're going to go back to the PDX Spotlight playlist. Uh, next song we have is from lead singer from The Strokes, who we had in the first hour, and we touched a little bit on this. Um, Julian, Dare I Care. Jenna, you heard this song before? I, I hadn't heard it before. I sent it over to you today to do some research. I had no. I, I didn't get all the way down through the list either because I was in my car a lot today. I had to go out to Beaverton for a job, and Ugh. you can't really like look up YouTube on your phone. 
Safely. while you're driving that's or you can frowned like upon. I do, which is really wrong. <laughs> Don't do what I am. You heard it here. <laughs> what does this song to you, uh, mean to you? Oh my gosh, this song is so crazy. It really is very unique. I ha- can't think of a song that sounds like this. It has this funny, like, Latin rhythmic, like, quasi-Latin rhythmic thing going on. Lots of crazy... I really love how he records and how he layers sounds. So he has just, like, this whole album has, like, lots of crazy white noise and, like, weird guitar layers, and all the guitars have just these really intense distortion and, like, ring mod and all these crazy effects on them. And then he puts those kinds of effects on his voice. And normally when you imagine music with all of those things combined you just think like gnarly noise rock (laughs) but he does it in this way where it's like everything fits really well and I've always liked music that has a lot of layers of instrumentation and like sounds and just a lot going on but in a way that is tasteful and works really well yeah um and I really I this song I used as a reference for so much stuff on my album like like I pretty much the uh, guitar effect in this song was like I tried to recreate that same effect in on like a few of the coveted songs. creatures yeah, yeah and also um, uh, wait on them and nine steps actually it was more nine steps that crazy guitar solo on cool that yeah but well, yeah <laughs> we have that coming up too I, th- I really dig uh, the sonic quality of this song I mean there's there's a ton that you can dig in who here so this is uh, dare I care stick around we've got pretty much Coco Columbia for the rest of the playlist here on sounds of PDX. <laughs> That madness is dare I carry it. That's such a great ending. It was uh, everything you said it was, Coco Columbia. That's an influence brought in by her. Uh, We've been rifling through her brain and catalog and influences. And uh, we have some questions for you, just kind of some insightful questions I think Jen wants to ask you. Oh, yeah. Well, kind of a combination question, really, about... Um, how you decided to create, concoct your sound, how you created Coco Columbia, um, what kind of parts of yourself go into that, where you kind of draw inspiration. And you specifically mentioned Bjork and Grimes speaking out about women in the industry, correct? And you said you were starting to shape kind of the trajectory of your career um, modeled after kind of those inspirational types of women in in the industry. You want to talk some about those things just kind of whatever grabs you yeah um so when i thought of the name (laughs) coco columbia which i got from the how you get your dancer name pet name and street name yeah (laughs) but uh uh, i originally just kind of was looking for a stage name or a a name that wasn't my name to go by and i didn't really originally think about it as a character really but then getting further into writing music and, and doing the whole wig yeah. <laughs> thing live. And, um, and, and then people telling me that I looked weird when I sang and stuff. And then I kind of <laughs> just decided it would be fun. I, it, sort of as I went along, it was like, oh, th- I want this to be a character. Yeah. And then um, I've become, in the last year, really obsessed with the idea of, or, or like the theme in my life has been fake it till you make it, mm-hmm. and, um, and it, which is super corny. But basically, I just like the idea of, like t- like thinking of a character that would be your um 
what's it called? Spirit uh, animal? <laughs> not spirit <laughs> animal, but, uh, but uh, what's it called? Uh, alter ego. Like, sure, oh, yeah. what? I think this is something I, I like talking to people about this because I think since I've been doing it, it's been really fun. And I've thought, I think this would be really cool for anyone to do like something like this. But just thinking of what your alter ego version of yourself would be and what they would be like and what they would do and what they would wear and getting really detailed with yeah. every um, detail of what the person would be. And then kind of just faking that along until it became what you were because I think anything that you desire to be is what you were sort of meant to be Hmm. Um, if it's coming from a pure place and not a place of insecurity I guess Um, but yeah I I see her now as a separate entity that is what I would be if I just was completely void of fear Nice. Um, so <laughs> I'm so far from that person. But um, yeah, and I just and then I, I started trying to to write music from her perspective, sort of. Um, and so, yeah, that's been really fun. And I then like that. Uh, and then regarding the what was the second thing you asked? Uh, um, women in music and kind of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have. Once I kind of decided about a year ago that I wanted to take this seriously, I um, started. I've always really liked uh, reading Wikipedia's and uh, or people's Wikipedia pages, and I'm really drawn to and totally a sucker for like people's stories, like yeah. success stories, like rags to riches type American <laughs> stories. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I've kind of decided I wanted to start modeling the career that I want to make for myself after these people and and the people that I um I was I was starting to get into people that weren't even necessarily right off the bat maybe I liked their like I liked their music but it was more just I liked their approach to music okay and then I would end up getting into their music by default (laughs) but I wanted to find people that were kind of doing things in their own way or do or DIYing or doing everything themselves or right and writing everything and so I was looking specifically for women doing that because it's harder for women to do that in this industry so um Saint Vincent was the first person that I found that I was like yeah she's really I like the way she approaches everything I like the way that she talks about writing and recording and And then next up was Grimes because she's making the craziest pop music right now that's completely hers. Like she is recording all the parts. She didn't even know how to play instruments. She like Googled how to play instruments or how to play guitar parts so she could record these parts on her new record. And she didn't even, she was only a producer before then. She had never played instruments before. Yeah. Um, And she's, she, yeah, she records all the instruments. She produces everything. She puts it out herself like and she's spoken out against sort of the sexism in the production world yeah like these male producers approaching her and going oh I can help you like and then she's like I got this I got here doing this myself I don't need you I can do this you know and and then also Bjork kind of there was like a pitchfork article about a year ago when she had her other uh, or her newest album come out where she was saying like you know, all these albums I've put out where I did 80% of the production and then Arca or whoever came in and did the other 10, 20%. And then when people write about her album, they're like, produced by Arca, produced by this person. And she's like, I spent hours and hours on my knees like as a nerd writing these 15-part 
you know, violin <laughs> or yeah. like like string parts for um, my songs. And, and then like you don't see that. All you see is like me singing. And so yeah. you don't see that I'm behind the scenes doing everything. So basically I just – I have felt frustrated with – people assume that if you're a front woman a lot of times that you're not doing anything you're just singing yeah. Yeah. or you're just the yeah. pretty face show up there. and look pretty yeah, yeah. and yeah. so uh i've tried to really i don't know i i'm you know i i really want to i don't know how to say it right i guess just I like those strong women that are they're speaking out about that stuff and yeah. uh i also just like the way that they do everything and i'm hmm. trying to to do that too <laughs> that's all I can say yeah yeah. I think you're doing it like it's uh, you know you're captivating live I think to see a Coco Columbia show like you are unabashed <laughs> I never feel like you know she's being disingenuine it's almost a little intimidating yeah really like <laughs> I'm 6'3 and I had to back away from the Doug Fur stage. And I'm like, this is pretty intense. <laughs> really? Oh, <laughs> it's that's good. Funny. It's a good energy. I still uh, feel really so uncomfortable. Like, honestly, I still feel pretty, like, nervous and uncomfortable. But I can't I, tell. I, that's, yeah. That's, like, the, it's kind of the, you know, oh, okay, I'm just going to act really weird so I can <laughs> pretend like I feel comfortable right now. But I really just, like, oh, so we just had these live videos that came out and, like, Honestly, like I, I promoted them and everything, but honestly, I didn't feel super great about how my voice sounded that day. But I, also, just watching videos of yourself is so weird. It's yeah. like I am like, oh god, do I always do that with my eyes? Like, is that what my <laughs> eyes are doing when I'm singing? Or like, I don't know. It's just so weird. It's such a vulnerable thing. I mean, when I played drums, it was like different. You're in the back. You're you you have control over everything yeah. as a drummer definitely but you're in the back and you're still kind of like behind but when you're in the front it's like ugh, like any any emotional thing or any stress or any of that like it's just so in people's faces yeah. and I, I still like feel like I have so much work to do with just like you know sounding better trying to sound as good as I can live and not getting nervous and when I you know your voice gets weird if you get stressed and just talking in between songs i'm still really bad at it gets super awkward but yeah i don't know it's a whole thing trying to be a front person it's weird yeah. but it's also a challenge which is fun as far as i'm concerned you've nailed your awkward banter between songs it's fantastic <laughs> we're gonna listen to a couple more songs here from coco columbia off of her latest release this is radiant in my abyss Yeah. 
That's Nine Step by our special guest, Coco Columbia. You're listening to Sounds of PDX on Portland Radio Project with Luke Neal and Jen Emerson. You're listening to a special Tuesday episode because, uh, I don't know, I just want to get Coco in here. It's tough to get your schedule lined up. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to open the <laughs> studio on a Tuesday and get you in here so we can talk. Is that why you did that? Yeah. I didn't... Oh, okay, that's. I was confused. I was like, why is it on Tuesday this week? Yes, I didn't realize that. I'm so sorry. Oh, that's my pleasure. <laughs> no, this is wonderful. It's been great to have you here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, when I was looking at the video for uh, Nine Steps, it was a live version. And right before it, you said, so this song is about depression, feeling manic. I feel like our whole generation is uh, bipolar. So I was really curious kind of to get your thoughts on, on what you meant by that. Um, I think that our gener my generation is trying is to millennial. Yeah, millennials. Okay. <laughs> I was just gonna say the millennial generation is basically just trying to break through the like this is what you should do mm -hmm. thing. I, I I guess I I think that a lot of people are really struggling because it's it, we're just at this point in our like. Um, evolution or in our human consciousness or whatever where it's like we're really fighting against all these like things that these institutions that exist that are not serving us anymore yeah mm -hmm. and um i think it's just hard to try to decide whether you're going to integrate or you're going to not <laughs> integrate yeah. Yeah. and when you're not going to integrate and you decide you're not going to then you're just like in for something <laughs> something interesting and so I really think that, I mean, ever and maybe it's just because I'm around a bunch of musicians all the time, but gosh, everyone I know my age is just a mess. <laughs> like, we're all just, you know, up and down, up and down, up and down. So, um, and I think it's because we're trying to, f dis we're just constantly back and forth. And, and not just our generation, like, you know, since the 60s, this has been happening. Yeah. Sure, since forever, this has been happening, I guess. <laughs> fighting against what came before but i just think it's just this weird we're in this weird like place in history right now where it's just like really hard to decide whether you're gonna what you're gonna do with yourself yeah. and yeah. like whether you're gonna go to college and you know i i specifically had uh like my personal experience with that was being really excited to go to college and trying to do really well in high school and, yeah. and got scholarships to go to college and you know everything was set up and then I get there and I like I hate this so much I hate everything that this institution represents I hate just like being stressed <laughs> so stressed all the yeah. time and like and I'm not saying hey, you know every everyone college is different for everyone some people it's it's lots of people it's great for but um I think that uh, when I dropped out, I knew it was the right thing that I had to do because I, I mean, I, I had to drop out because I like stopped sleeping for months and yeah. I was oh, like, geez. had to go on all this medication and blah, blah, blah. I was just kind of a hot mess. And I, um, and I basically had to drop out of school for mental health reasons. Yeah. And um, so I felt like a year afterward, like kind of like every time I'd see my friends, it was just this weird underlying thing where it's like, oh, yeah, you kind of you're the one that kind of gave up. <sighs> you know, you kind of um, and I know people don't mean to be like that. It's just kind of the vibe. It's stigma. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I even like distanced myself from all of my music friends kind of intentionally for a little while or like a lot of the kids I went to school with just because of the shame I felt around yeah. it oh. yeah. but then I, I ultimately t tried to turn that around and, and self learn how to self-motivate and then it's ended up being the best decision I ever made because I 
did that about, I dropped out in 2012, and since then I've been doing this thing, going yeah. this direction, and I'm so glad that I did it. If I had forced myself to stay in another three years, I would have just totally probably gotten crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think my one thing I'd really like to push is just people trusting their gut and going with it. Yes. It's so hard to do that. It really is. It's really, really hard to do that. But it's and we're glad you did, though, because, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, now we have your art and we're able to enjoy it. Oh, yes. thank you. Yeah. <laughs> your gifts to the world. Yeah. <laughs> and unfortunately, our two hours are up. Oh. I cannot believe how fast it went by. So would you like to give any shout-outs before we send you off into the evening? Shout-outs. Oh, shout-outs yeah. to Mom and Dad for listening. Yeah. <laughs> Mom and Dad, thanks for hanging out. And my band for being awesome and and uh, everyone that I know that's awesome and also you guys thank you for having me here yeah it is our pleasure it's been a blast Uh, so for Jen Emerson this is Luke Neal and we're going to send you off with Coveted Creatures by Coco Columbia